0: The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management,
1: or owners of WGBB.
2: Live from the WGBB studios in Merrick, New York, this is Sports Talk New York.
0: From the crossroads of Merrick Avenue and Sunrise Highway in beautiful Merrick, Long Island, New York, This is Sports Talk New York on WGBB 1240 AM. I'm your host, Mike Widone. Along tonight, joined by my co-host, the Cap, Cappy, Chris Caputo. And we have a big show for you lined up. Going to do heavy NFL tonight. Talk a little uh, NBA in-season tournament, if anybody wants to chime in on that. The lines are always open, 516-623-1240. Not a great day in Jets land. We're going to cover a little bit of that. And we're also going to be joined in just a few minutes by our NFL expert, James Alario, who's going to join us and talk all things NFL. But before we get to that, let's say hi to my
2: co-host, the man we call Cappy, Chris Caputo. What's up, Cap? How are we doing, Coach? Uh, Mike, it's been uh, only a week since we've been on the air. It was a lot of fun. We changed it up a little bit last week and uh, a little bit of... Inclement weather out there and football being played, so there's there's lots to talk about. But what happened in New York or New Jersey
0: today was that technically football.
2: Uh, <laughs> I mean we're, we'll we'll talk some of that stuff later. But um, I know it's hard. It to, is. It's it's easy. Oh, no, I shouldn't say it's. it's it not is hard. very difficult to talk. Um, you know, NFL football in this area when the people that they're putting under center uh, for both teams really with no experience and uh the nfl right now um it's kind of like that 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 have and a have not i know we're going to get into that but there really is a break between teams that possibly have a chance to make a run at the super bowl and teams that are basically fighting each other for the worst record overall
0: yeah we were speaking about that before we came on the air that just some of these tiebreakers are are unbelievable and at you know four and Four and eight. The uh, the Giants are still technically, you know, in the hunt. And uh, I think they're I don't know the exact number, but I know it was it was discussed earlier in the week because Joe Flacco started today uh, for Cleveland. I think there's been sixty additional or sort of backup quarterbacks that have that have played. I mean, the Jets today. You know, went uh, Trevor Simeon got in the game. And, you know, we'll we'll talk about that. But it's really it's crazy when um, I don't know. You know, does the 17th game mean anything in the NFL with all these injuries, especially to quarterbacks? But um, the backup
2: quarterback position, it just seems to be like there's nobody out there. Yeah, and it's like, who are we going to call up that played three years ago that might be able to stand on the sidelines? So, you know, if you're into your football um, and your team is not the Patriots and not the Carolina Panthers, <laughs> you probably have a shot and you're probably sitting there, even after today of a 13-8 game, going, if Aaron Rodgers comes back... Could we, should we, and and I don't know. I mean it really uh uh people really do watch. It's it's interesting how many people really do watch like watching the NFL even beyond the Jets and the Giants, especially in this area. And if you have a team that, you know, has four wins at this point, you have a shot of making the playoffs, but um there really is not too many uh top teams. Everybody else is kind of mingling in that area of the six and six uh, through four and eight, and you know we shall see over the next few weeks. Um, you know who, who who rises to the top and who wants to be a Draft King. Well, we'll definitely get into a little bit more of that when James calls in. Uh,
0: but we're going to touch on just real quick and maybe get back to this a little bit later on. Um, you know, if you've listened to the show before, Chris and I are huge basketball fans. You know, we we coach together. Um, Chris played for me when he was in high school, so you know basketball is kind of our thing. So. With the NBA, we don't get into that quite so much anymore. But um, talking about in-season tournament, so the NBA this year went to an in-season tournament where some games count towards this in-season tournament. They all count towards the the playoff front. It, it, I don't know. It's very confusing. The only thing I recognize is when I tune into the NBA and I see some funky court out there, I know that it's the it's the, the playing tournament I, I, or the the in-season tournament. I, I don't know how many. Millions of dollars they're spending on all these, uh, jerseys and, and floors and whatever else, but, um, it's an interesting concept. So, um, Cap, what's your, what's your feeling on, on an in-season tournament in the NBA? Um, I know it's going to take a little bit of time maybe to get some
2: traction, but is it anything that you're interested in? I think at this point, people just don't understand what it is, um, and, and, how good it's going to be because you're in year one. And I think that in the inaugural years, a lot of times people don't understand what is really going on. So they're not into it as much. And you see these promos and Steph Curry's on the promos, and they're not even in the the, the final eight. (laughs) So I believe what's going on is as we now go into this week, um, we have eight teams advancing to a knockout round. And then from there, uh, they're gonna wind up having uh, a semifinal on the seventh and a championship on the ninth in Vegas. But there are some teams that are hosting this week, so I think uh, people could possibly get interested in some of that stuff. So you got um, Lakers, Suns. I mean, if if that kind of gets you going, I think you know that might be good. I think uh, LeBron is having a tough time. Most of the time, they—I think he got blown out by like forty something last yeah, it was, week. It was his worst loss of his oh, NBA career, he right? Did, he sat there and answered every question. I give him oh, credit, but him. they looked horrible. Yeah. Um. So I think they're hosting the Suns, the Kings. You know, I like watching the Kings, so I think that to me will be interesting to watch them play. Um. But the Knicks are in it. I mean, they're playing. Yeah. They're playing the Bucks. They're they're going to have a game. Uh, But I think you and I talked a little bit beforehand. Getting down to these eight teams I mean, I don't even know what they're fighting for. I don't even know what, uh, you know, uh, is there extra money involved? There is.
0: There is extra money. So there, I mean, not that these guys, I I wouldn't even begin to understand or be able to tell you what the minimum salary is for an NBA player. But let's just say uh, they're not sleeping on their mom's couch. Okay. I'm I'm sure they're doing fine. But, yeah, uh, the main draw for the players is is a big-time bonus so that's you know that's how they're selling it to those guys, um you know for the casual fan, I don't know I think you bring up a great point I think it's going to be one when they finally get to Vegas if it has any kind of juice or whatsoever but I I just I, I don't see it I, I don't know and and I want to like it I I want but, to find a reason to get more into the NBA if you're winning
2: this tournament do you now get like you know, the ability to flip-flop home games with somebody when you make yeah. the real playoffs? No. No, it's nothing. So, like, what is – I mean, it's soccer. I'm sure if you're a soccer fan, like, that's a big thing when you have the, those UEFA championships. And in the middle of your season, you're going to play some other European team that's not in your country. So you have a team from Italy playing a team from England. Yeah, people get into that stuff. Sure. But these teams play each other during the regular season anyway. Yeah. And so now we have a knockout stage. And – My biggest thing was we had to determine, first off, head-to-head record. So let's say there's three teams, they all play each other, um, and then eventually head-to-head is going to be the number one thing. But after that, Mike, the next thing that was going to determine who moves on from the group stage was point differential. And here we are the other night, and we're playing Hacker Drummond, and the Chicago Bulls, who have nothing to do with this, nothing to do with this, are... Standing on a court, losing to the Celtics by 38, and the starters are still in the game and they're pressing because some assistant coach is saying, we're not up by enough points. This is not what it was meant for.
0: No, not at all. I mean, it would... I know the NBA is not real big on, you know, teaching kids uh, sportsmanship, but seriously, if you have if you have a, a a young fan base and you're you're at these games or you're you have them on TV, you're showing them, or you get you know a young son or daughter that's playing basketball, and you want to teach them sportsmanship, or, yeah, I mean, let's let's start hacking the worst guy on the other team so we can score points. I mean, I these are not things that we can give the NBA a pass on that they just didn't think about or whatever else. This is real stuff, so. You know, I think anytime, especially in the game of basketball, I mean, point
2: differential is is just an awful time breaker. Oh, I'm okay, Mike, with point differential, but you can't include the game against the team who's already been eliminated before the game started. So let's say two two or three teams, let's say three teams, are vying for that wild card position, right? And they're all at three and one, or all at two and two. It should be the point differential in the games that you yes. played against the teams that you're fighting for, not against the 0-4 team. That team has nothing to do with it. They want to go home. This means nothing to them. And to have teams trying to blow teams out and starters in playing 39 minutes in a game that's a regular season game, when you can't get these guys, remember what we used to have where guys were sitting out of games? Right. And it was like, hey, LeBron James is coming to town and we bought a ticket for $4,000 and now he's not playing. Now we got guys who are playing when the games, when they're up 40. Absolutely. So I think they need to think it over, change a couple of things. Um, but I think once they get to Vegas, that's going to be a hot ticket. Yes, I mean you have the ability to buy a, a ticket in Vegas and possibly see two semifinal games on one night this weekend um, with four of the teams in the NBA, you know, fighting for major money. I think you know the fact that it's like wow, I could see Giannis and I could see LeBron, and I think that'll be a good thing. But um, I think the NBA right now, uh, they're they're just trying to make a name for themselves. When normally before the All Star break, no one really cares. Yeah, nobody's there. Well, we're going to get back to that
0: uh, in, a, in a, just a bit and talk a little bit more about the NBA in general and and also the playing the play in season tournament. But before that, we're going to welcome in a new guest, uh, our NFL expert. His name is James Alario, and uh, known him quite a while now. Happy to have him on, James. Welcome to the program.
1: Hey, thanks a lot. How you guys doing?
0: We're doing great, man. It's what it's it's good to have you on. Um, we were uh, you and I we're texting back and forth today we were in a in in a very friendly uh, knockout pool that many people are in and i know it was a tough day for you as and for us uh, as a group as we watched the steelers barely show up in pittsburgh uh, but uh, it's great to have you on and, and and welcome aboard
1: thank you thank you and and yeah talk about a weird game with that steelers one with with all the weather delays and then the injury i mean they just couldn't couldn't get their uh their act together at all during that game and just Tough way to go out uh, with that knockout, but what are you going to do?
0: Yeah, this was just a weird, I think, NFL weekend. I mean, the weather here was odd. The weather in Pittsburgh, um, you know, just some strange games. Uh, I I don't know. I just – watching on the red zone like like I I always do, like most of us do now, where you're just kind of getting snippets of games and and here and there. I I don't know. It was just interesting. And and we're going to get to, I'm sure, uh, San Francisco, you know, blowing out Philly here uh, tonight but before we get to that um, I just want to kind of get your thoughts here we we do talk New York football um, you know on and off and and we're going to get to a little bit more here on the, on the national scene with you but if I could just get your thoughts you know what are you thinking about about what you see you know today obviously the Jets were playing if you could say that you know playing um, the Giants what are your thoughts on New York football at the moment is that something that you know has your interest going into next year, you know, with Aaron Rodgers coming back, or is it is it a product even worth watching at this point?
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that last part worth watching is prop- right now a no. Yes. Uh, it's it's really not. <laughs> but for some of us like, like me, uh, I I don't have a choice really. It's just something that that uh, that I do. Uh, you know, right, no matter how good out bad they are, I'll be watching. Um, but. I mean, there will be excitement. They find a way to always pump up some excitement going into almost every season, it feels like, and then obviously it always falls short, but... um it's a tough scene right now. It's, I mean, usually on on a Sunday, I'll have the Jets on on my big screen, and then I'll have like Red Zone on the small one. Today I did the now reverse. That's a fan. I it, like
0: that. that. That's what I'm talking it, about right there.
1: Yeah, yeah. But today, but today it was reverse because it, it's uh, I'm checked out with the Jets right now. I had had my one eye on it, uh, but watching Red Zone was a lot more exciting. So, but it is what it is. And, and with the Giants. um you know, with Daniel Jones getting hurt, uh, this season obviously hasn't gone the way they wanted to. I, I just, and that that offensive line, especially early on in the season, was a, a complete catastrophe. So, they just had no chance uh, r- right out of the gate. And then the, they play a couple scrappy games here and win a couple games, and it pro- probably hurts them in the long run. Winning a couple games like that, so just a lot of bad, and, and uh, just just sucks to be a New York football fan right now.
0: It's tough, absolutely. So. I wanted to get your thoughts on the AFC. Let's let's start with that. And, and right now, you know, the Miami Dolphins sitting in first place in the East, nine and three. The Ravens are at nine and three in the North. Jacksonville, eight and three. Hopefully, hopefully nine and three after tomorrow. Uh, Kansas City sitting at eight and three. Uh, you know, your, your wild cards at the moment are somewhere in the neighborhood of Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Cleveland. Uh, the Colts are there now at seven and five. The Texans, who are a much improved group this year. And then uh, the Denver Broncos who all of a sudden, you know, were hot for a little bit but uh kind of cooled off today. In the AFC, who who do you see as the real contenders or someone, you know, to keep an eye on here that that you could, you know, at this point say this is this is my top 3, top 4 to when we're getting into, you know, the the late January times. Who who are we looking at in the American Football Conference?
1: Yeah, well, it starts with the Chiefs who so are kicking off any second now. I I mean, They are a little bit of a different brand than we're used to the last year or so, um, where they're running the ball really well. They got Pacheco as an animal; Um, he runs really hard, and they're able to kind of lean on that more than they have. And but they, even though they haven't given Mahomes anything to work with on the outside as far as receivers, he just finds a way to get it done. And um, but their their defense is. Uh, a lot better than we've seen in the last couple of years. Usually it's, they've been in shootout after shootout and the Holmes has to just, uh, pull it out of his you know what at the end. Um, but their defense is, is more like controlling games and allowing them to just run the ball this year more than we've seen. So it, it starts with the Chiefs, uh, and I think they're the team that, that you gotta go through basically. Um, the rest of the teams, I think Dolphins and Ravens are probably the next two that, I would say, have the best chance of maybe knocking them off. Um, dolphins, I, I think we, we have to see it still. I mean, it's it's unbelievable that the Dolphins can keep just relying on Tyreek Hill to just beat defenses week after week. And usually, like, if somebody has a weapon like that, teams will game plan against it and find a way to at least, like, limit him and make the other guys beat you. But nobody seems to have an answer for this guy. It's really incredible. So, I mean, Will that be able to continue into the playoffs? We'll see. Um, but the Dolphins are da- dangerous there, uh, and their defense is getting a little bit better as these last couple weeks have gone on. I think um, Ravens Ravens are interesting, where it's like they they can explode on any given week on offense, but some weeks they just kind of just don't have it a little bit. And uh, a- Andrew's getting hurt really hurts them, the tight end. So if supposedly he might come back, I think that'll be a big help if he does. But I'm not too sure. And they always have a, a good defense. So I think those would be the three teams I would highlight. The rest of the teams, I just there's some interesting teams like you mentioned the Jaguars that may, maybe they could win a playoff game or two, but I, I don't know if they have it in them to to make it all the way. Um, the rest of the teams are mostly not there yet. I don't think. Yeah.
2: We are joined by James Alario. This is uh, Chris Caputo and Mike Codone here on Sports Talk New York. Uh, we're talking NFL. So, uh, James, this is Chris here. Um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about offense versus defense. And if you kind of look at, at most of these teams, there's a couple in the AFC, I would say, that have that quarterback, that they're able to go. And, and right now, as you said, we're worried, we're wondering to see how far uh, Miami can go. Uh, I think Buffalo uh, they're still in it because they have the ability to pull out that game, but their turnovers are killing them. But they could definitely turn it on offensively. The Ravens are, are one of those teams. Um, but after that, I'd say there's the, the teams that are that are doing really well. There's a drop off, and then in the NFC, uh, NFC, really the only team that uh, the two teams that have pulled it off. Um, more offensively than defensively, you know, putting up more points, are the Niners and um, the Cowboys. I mean, even if you look at the Eagles, they're only plus 41, and they got hammered today by a good team. So why is it that maybe I only really mentioned about six teams that their offense is really explosive and their defense can kind of fall behind them, whereas the other teams in it are really relying on defense?
1: Yeah, and that was that was one of the teams I didn't touch on in the AFC was the Bills. Um, The way they currently stand, I just don't see them as as a real contender right now. Uh, Allen is too mistake-prone, and really their defense, they took a lot of big hits with injuries this year, losing Tredavious White. Um, Von Miller's got some stuff going on now. Hmm. They lost Matt Milano. They lost too many key pieces where their defense is just not the same. So uh, they're kind of an afterthought for me right now, even if they even make it. Um, But then to the NFC point you made there, The Cowboys' offense is incredibly impressive right now most weeks, and and I'm surprised by that because I'm not a fan of Mike McCarthy, as a lot of people probably aren't. um, But they've been able to really lean on the passing game and and just explosive play after explosive play with them. Um, I was surprised by the Eagles today. That that, um, that game was a pretty hyped game, I think, for good reason. And I was surprised when I saw a spread there. I think it was three-and-a-half favoring. Um, Niners uh, most of the week, and I was a little surprised by that, being the Eagles were home. Uh, but the Niners showed out, and and they're, the Eagles, most weeks they look really impressive, and and Jalen Hurts just gets things done. Um, they got some really good weapons. I think they're missing Dallas Goddard a little bit, that that hurts just their ability to spread the ball around. Um, but we know they run the ball well. And their defense, they have a lot of really, really good guys up front. Their their back end has been getting a little exposed this year. Um, but the Eagles are going to be right there in the end, uh, I think, as one of – I mean, between them and the Cowboys, it's really interesting to see if if the Cowboys can get through them uh, if they were to face off. Um, but I think it will come down to the Eagles and the Niners, like we saw today. And if the records hold right now, the Niners are – there's a good chance the Niners are going to have to go back into Philly and win again. Um, but the Niners are probably the most impressive team to me, like, yeah. overall. Um, with just the way they run their show there, um, Shanahan, I think, is the best, if not one of the top two or three coaches in the league. Um, not only just the way he runs his scheme, but just getting the right guys in in place for them to be able to do it. It's just it's, it's a really like an unstoppable combination of, of receivers and, and McCaffrey at running back, and, and they just get um, Purdy in there to run the offense. And, and I don't think he gets enough credit where he's very seldom making mistakes. He is very on time and on target with his throws every time I watch him. Um, and they just went into Philly today and won a huge road game. So, I mean, that's a big... Big, impressive feat there. So I think we probably see Niners and Philly face off again and Chiefs coming out on the other end, and, and we're right back to where we were last year, if you look at it that way.
0: So I've relied on you in all season, James, for your insights on, on teams offensively, defensively, and it, it's obviously helped my knowledge of the NFL. So let's have a little fun with this. Yeah. Give me one team that has surprised you in a good way. And one team that has surprised you it, as an underachiever in terms of, you know, it, it's hard to, I mean, we could all say the Jets because obviously, you know, mm-hmm. there were so many things thought of. Hype. Yeah, hype and, and Aaron Rodgers and all that stuff. But let's let's look at one one surpriser in a good way and one surpriser where you're like, man, what the heck happened to them and they still have all the tools? Who are you thinking?
1: Yeah, That's a good question um looking at it right now I'm just looking at the standings just to yeah. get my mind at it right here there's a lot, there's a lot of um, teams I
0: think you could answer these questions the
1: yeah it, it's it's tough I think I am I think pleasantly surprised by the Ravens cuz it, it was a new um new offensive coordinator this year so we really didn't know exactly what Lamar Jackson would be able to do in the passing game and he stepped it up a bit I think that I think the Colts are impressive yeah I think that they were kind of like left for dead when, when we were going into the season. Jonathan Taylor had all that drama. Um, they had a questionable defense, kind of, and they're sitting here seven and five, and, and really in the mix. I like Gardner Minshew. I always have, and that's one of the guys I was hoping the Jets would actually yeah, find be, a way to get on that. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where team.
0: they'd be with him, right? Because he's he's yeah. done an amazing job, uh, you know, running yep. that Colts team.
1: but yep, he's just a gamer. It doesn't. It's not always pretty, but. He finds ways to win. He makes he makes plays. He gets the ball down the field. Um, but Broncos' turnarounds has been odd. Just the whole season for them has been odd. They, they look like one of the worst teams in the league for the first six or so weeks. And I guess Sean Payton is a good coach, uh, even though he's not liked by a lot of people. But he's a, he's a good coach, I guess, that he's turned it around. But it still seems like a struggle for them to um, – To to really finish off games like like today, they just start off so slow sometimes, and that's that's been like uh, Russell Wilson's mo the last couple years. Um, So those are some teams that I think impressed me a little bit more than than I expected. The Chargers uh, are on the other side of it. It's just it's a joke how that just keeps happening over and over with this team where I mean they obviously need to fire Staley and he and seems to be like he'll be he'll be gone sooner rather than later, but they gotta be one of the most disappointing teams. They had a couple injuries, but there there's still enough talent on that team. You have a very good quarterback and they just Continually, just find ways to lose. Did, did they win today versus the path? I saw it was like six nothing that whole yeah, game. I think it, they did find a way to win that, right? It, it
0: was interesting because you think, you know, uh, their their defense has been criticized quite a bit, and their offense, you know, carries yeah. them most of the times. Yeah, today was just the opposite. It was, I, I mean, the conditions up there were tough, but they did yeah. they pulled it out 6-0, But it was not a not a pretty sight.
1: Yeah, it it, it never is with that team. So like they're they're perennially just uh, a, a disappointment, and they continue to be that again this year. So that was the AFC. On the on the NFC side, look looking at this now. The, the Lions are impressive. I, I like the Lions. I like watching them. They had a couple hiccups these last couple weeks where they started off games really slow, but Jared Goff has really turned his career around. Where. When he got, he basically got dumped by the, by the Rams. Let's face sure. it, they, they, that was like a, a salary dump where they just wanted to uh, get a new quarterback in there. And the Lions were like, hey, we'll, we need a quarterback. We'll, we'll take him and figure it out from here. And he, now he's turning out to be a pretty long-term quarterback for them. He's, he's getting the ball to their playmakers. They, they, that tight end that they drafted, LaPorta, is really, really good. Uh, that was a hell of a draft pick and, and he, he's really jumped right on the scene and is really, really helped them. Um, um, Amon Ross St. Brown's amazing. They have two good running backs. So that team's impressive. Their defense is hit or miss. Some weeks it looks like the defense is, is, is there. These last couple of weeks it, it's, not, it's really been lacking. So I think that probably will fail them at some point in the playoffs, but it, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world if they made a run. Um, the rest of this NFC, the, the Seahawks sitting at 6-6, six and six, they haven't really impressed me for much of the season. They put up a really good fight on Thursday night. but um, And the, the Saints are a disappointment. The Saints have a lot of talent. The Saints have a quarterback that they just did whatever they can to get him and, and paid him quite a bit of money, and their car is just not it. But there's still a lot of talent on the team, and they're just not impressive. So, I don't know. Those are the ones that come to mind here as I'm just looking through the standings. Hey, James.
2: um you know, I, I'm not sure if people have the picture-in-picture on like you do, um, but I hear that um, you know Taylor Swift is at tonight's game because her her uh, her concert tour is on a little bit of a break. But I, it is interesting how much people flock to the TV because of one person. Um, so I think that's one thing that that people kind of flock towards is that extra reason to watch a game. So kind of on that same theme, um, the Giants at 4-8, kind of have a shot if they start winning games. And they have the Packers and the Saints, two teams which are struggling right now. But unfortunately, they're going to have to play the Eagles two out of the last three weeks of the season, including on Christmas Day. Is there anything that we could get hyped up about, about Tommy Cutlets? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it, it's a heck of a story um, that this guy came out of nowhere, and he's won some games. He's, he's made some plays. I, I don't think there's Really, any long-term appeal to him? Where they're going to go into uh, the season thinking that he should be in the mix? Um, I think Daniel Jones is his contract is way too big for them to be able to move or do anything with. So, like it or not, Giants fans, I think you're you're stuck looking at Daniel Jones for a little longer. If you had gotten a, a top draft pick, then maybe they they would pull the trigger on a QB and and just let the chips swallow where they do. But um, I don't know about this Devito. It's he maybe he could be good people have surprised before coming in out of nowhere and becoming an actual good quarterback but when you don't have that resume to lean on it's hard to even get more of a shot unless he would really have to do good down the stretch to really get get a good look next year i think so my guess is he fizzles out after this year and he's one of just those names that uh that people will say oh remember uh remember that kid with the with the chicken cutlets what was his name exactly. yeah that, that's that's it that's about it for him.
0: well if you're in my age group you remember guys there's a few names from the the strike season where they brought in replacement players now this is a, this is going way back. This is 87, 88 when I was in my first year in college. So, you know, now you know how old I am. But um, yeah, there's there's always these names that kind of jump
2: out, and, and there are folk heroes and whatever else. And, and guys, yeah. it's bad this year. Yeah. The amount of backup quarterbacks Whew. that have had to put their feet on the field. <laughs> I mean, Trevor Simeon going to be the quarterback for the New York Jets next week, which
1: is crazy. Yeah, it's, I don't know uh, what they're waiting for. Right. To be honest with you, not not that he's not that he's anything special, or I'm expecting much from him, but. For, uh, the day that they signed him, it, it seemed like, all right, he's one week away from at least being the backup and, and getting in there when, when Zach falters. And they just kept him on ice for like a, a month or a month and a half here. And who, who thought anything of Boyle? It, it, yeah. this, this Boyle does not make any sense as far as why he's even in the league anymore. We know he, he followed Rodgers to, to the Jets, but that doesn't just give him a, a ticket to just – be active the whole season. He's he's not any good. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't make He wasn't in good in college either. I had to look up his college stats when he got the starting job a couple weeks ago. I think I'm I'm almost positive it's one touchdown and about 13 interceptions in college. No joke. You, you got to look at his stats, his college stats at a no name school. I don't even remember where it was. It's it's just mind boggling that this guy actually got a shot. And Trevor Simeon's played some decent football before, like so. I would expect Simeon to get to go next week and probably to ride out the string, but I don't know. I've been surprised before.
0: Well, James, we thank you so much for being on tonight. Great stuff. Uh, we look forward to talking to you again as we get towards the playoffs and and even into draft season. Uh, you know, your expertise has been been very helpful to me this season, and and I'm sure our listeners and Chris, you know, we, we appreciated you being on tonight. Uh, let's see if we can get something out of the New York teams here going forward, but... Um, enjoy the uh enjoy the rest of the evening on the couch hopefully watch some little, little you know NFL and tomorrow night and we'll talk soon
1: sounds good it's been a pleasure guys yeah I'll, I'll look forward to be back and uh hope you guys have a great night absolutely right. thanks so,
0: James James Alario right. our NFL expert has been with us so we're going to take a quick break and we will be back with more Sports Talk New York in just a moment
2: You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show.
0: Welcome back to WGBB Sports Talk New York. Mike Madone here along with Cap, Chris Caputo. We dove in a little bit with some NBA talk going into the midseason tournament. Dabbled a little bit in that. Might get back to that. And we spent a lot of time talking NFL football, Jets, and Giants, uh, but specifically where the national scene kind of sits at the moment. But we'd love to have your calls, 516-623-1240. Again, that's 516-623-1240. If you're interested in talking about any of those topics or anything on your own, sports New York-related within the country, we are here for you tonight. So the phone lines are open. So, Cap, I know... There's an interesting kind of uh dynamic we had talked about coming in here tonight um, that is uh, of interest to us and and I'm sure the New York sports listener would would hopefully want to chime in on this as well so I'm gonna throw it over to you and
2: and you know tell everybody what we're thinking about right now all right so at this point you know people are always trying to find the next best coach and who's out there and you know, if you're here in New York, are you trying to grab the next coach being the guy that's been been there and done it before, maybe has done it even on on the, the good circuit, or are you trying to grab somebody up up and coming? So what I'd like to think about, you and you and I, Mike, and then maybe a couple of listeners, again, you guys can chime in, 516-623-1240. Um, we're going to do kind of our Mount Rushmore of New York coaches, and it doesn't have to be... One from every of the major sports. It doesn't even have to be from a major sport. Just when you think about New York sports and you think about coaches, who comes to your mind? So, you know, I was kind of thinking about this. Like, you could go way back and you could probably talk about somebody that that coached uh, for some random sport in 1920. But I don't know if I necessarily could debate that versus the, the guy who's most up-and-coming. So when I first think about it, I'm going to throw one name at you. Uh, for New York sports, I think, you know, one of the names that has to come out there, whether or not this person is totally known for New York sports, and that would be for the New York Islanders, Al Arbor. Okay, so when I think hockey and I think New York, you know, I think Al Ar- Arbor. I think of, you know, that that, that drive for five and that, um, that, that you know, Islanders run – uh, and people might throw the the bow tie out there also, and, <laughs> and and try and say that it was it came from a pie with the general manager. But I think that when people think about the Islanders in coaching, or even the Rangers in coaching, and you try and think of you know all time, I would say that New York coaches, I would throw Al Arbour as one of my top. Yeah, I think that's a great
0: choice because
2: um, you know I I've, I've been
0: a huge Islander fan. It's no secret, and and I was probably you know. Twelve or thirteen, when they were winning those cups and, and so into it, and every interview you ever listened to with a former New York Islander, whether it's it was Clark Gillies, Mike Bossy, Brian Trottier, Bobby Nyström, all those guys, um, they always said that not enough credit was given to Al Arbour because he really he was he was the final piece. You could talk about players, but scoring being brought in at that time, but really, yeah, Al Arbour was. Um, he was the glue that kind of kept everything together. So I, I think that's a great choice for hockey. I mean, the Rangers, um, unfortunately, you know, not to not to go anything deep with them, but they had the cup with Keenan. Uh, but there's no, you know, an older Ranger fan would think of like Emil Francis. That these are guys I'm throwing out now. That if you're, you know, in your mid fifties and plus, you're thinking of. But yeah, Al Arbor, solid, solid choice as as a Mount Rushmore candidate. For
2: for New York sports, who would you think of? Like when you when I say New York coaches, who do you think of?
0: Well, one that kind of comes to mind right away as a Giant fan is Bill Parcells. So, you know, I mean, I know his his body of work. Uh, only two Super Bowls. When you say only two Super Bowls, um, you know, it's interesting because you think of Tom Coughlin, you know, right up there as well. Um, he, I guess, Bill Parcells just kind of jumps out at me as that as that New York coach that. That background, that uh, that attitude, um, you know, he he's one. I you could you could certainly debate it because he didn't leave under the best of circumstances and and um, and such. But he he definitely got the Giants
2: over that hump. Yeah, yeah. and and then he kind of moved on to other places. So you you kind of think about even his time, you know, working with the Jets and yeah. you know, moving around. If you were to debate two coaches in the NFL. Um, Coughlin and Parcells. Okay. Which one do you think had a better time as their time in New York? And that could be as an assistant coach or as a head coach. Who do you think did more with their time? That's
0: a great question because, you know, you think about Parcells, the Jets were pretty much dead when he came back and and resurrected them, but then moved on. So he's not as beloved, I think. You know, Coughlin – um, you know, time as a as an assistant, and then, um, uh, you know, got the Giants back to the glory, and and Eli, and and the the helmet catch, and everything with them. So, yeah, I mean, uh, wow, I, I I think probably from you know, just somebody who would be ingrained in the hearts of Giant fans. Wow,
2: yeah. What's your opinion? What, that, I, that's I a mean, great I question. Think, I think Parcells is the uh. The better overall coach, because I think Coughlin kind of he rode the Giants during a specific time where I feel like Parcells kind of revived the Giants. He kind of revived the Patriots, even though it's not New York. He revived the Jets a little bit, Um, and he was a New York guy. He was from around here, you know. And I think um, the fact that he does all that. He probably puts himself up there as one of the all-time New York coaches, I think. I think just because, um, you know, what would happen if when he left, somebody came in and won? Maybe it would have demised what he did. But I think that nobody really did what he did on on the gridiron. Like, he was the guy that brought him to all those big games. And, you know, I could just see him still being... Carried off the field as, yep. as, uh, as the Bills miss a field goal. And if they don't win that game, maybe he's not as big. Yeah. But he does it with Curtis Martin. He does it with, you know, Phil Sims and Jeff Hostetler. He does it with, with random. So I think that Bill Parcells probably gets that nod, but that doesn't mean that Tom Coughlin no didn't do what he needed to do for the Giants. I think that there's just probably some other guys, you know, that did.
0: Could you Could imagine enough? though if Parcells had won a Super Bowl with the Jets? what his legacy i mean his legacy was pretty amazing to begin oh, with i mean but could you imagine i mean mike francesa would have been <laughs>
2: <laughs> standing right next to him yeah. every single day he would so have mowed his lawn every day for, for for free shoveled the snow oh all that goodness stuff. i yeah that would have been interesting yeah. i mean he's a hall of famer let's, sure. let's be honest but he was a hall of famer without some of the things he yes. did so i just think he kind of put himself way above and beyond but that's the whole thing mike like Doing it in three or four different places—does that make you better, or does that just um, kind of add to it? Because I like the the guys who can kind of stay in one place and just do it like that. So one of the second guys I'm going to throw on there, and it's you know it's tough to say, but Joe Torre did an absolutely phenomenal job with his time as the uh, as the Yankees head man. I mean, you got to think he also was the manager of the New York Mets at one point, um, absolutely, but. The guy averaged almost 100 wins a year for his time in the Bronx, and he did win a bunch of championships. So I would say that, um, you know, and had it not been for the the 2001, uh, you know, Bloop single, you know, he's got another one under his belt. So sure. I would say, um, you know, manager-wise, I'd love to throw Davey Johnson in there, but Joe Torre yeah. just did so much over a period of time with the Yankees that, You know, again, you, you think of him as a New Yorker. I think sometimes we think of these guys, they coached in New York and they did a good job. But like, you think of Joe Torrey as a New Yorker too. Right. Yeah. And he, he did,
0: he, he was born in this area, grew up here, um, was known for, you know, during his playing career, really as a St. Louis Cardinal, came to the Mets at the end of his career. And then that was kind of a disaster because he had, he was, he was one of the last player managers out there. Um, although Pete Rose kind of yeah did that a little bit after him, but in the New York area, he it, in the seventies, yeah, there's Joe Torre with these horrendous Met teams, unfortunately, and then he went to Atlanta and revived that team. Um, and when but when he was hired as the Yankee manager, I mean, it was it was a almost a revolt in this city. Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, I'm trying to think Steve Summers and you know the clueless Joe and all that
2: kind of stuff. They 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 thought he was going to be a disaster. But once Buck left town, Joe took over, and, uh, you know, things things went in a positive way. But And I think it was also tough when Joe Torrey left that, you know, it's kind of one of those things. Like if you're taking over for Mike Redone at Locust Valley, it's, like, it. oh, it's hard to be the next guy, you know. <laughs> um, it's hard to take over for somebody that did so well that even if your team is good, yeah. if you don't win the whole thing, you are going to get destroyed in the media. The fans are going to come after you. And to get five rings, I mean, that's just kind of one of those things like, okay, now what next? What else could you do? And I think that's why some of these guys get to a certain point and they move on. Like, Bill Parcells doesn't want to be known as the guy that went 3-13. and 13, right. So he's going to move on to something else and revive somebody else. I mean, they probably say this stuff up in New England with uh, with Belichick. Sure. I mean, right now they're ready to run him out of town at 2-10, and 10, but they want draft picks for him. Absolutely. You know, he wants to go and, and pick where he wants to go. And to be honest with you, to keep the New York theme, if the Giants are looking to get rid of their coach, I think the next guy that people around here would love to bring in is Belichick.
0: That's not crazy. It's not something I haven't heard, and and it's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. Uh, but yeah, I think with baseball for sure. I mean, you can you could go a hundred years back to when the Yankees were, you know, with Babe Ruth and and Gary, when they had Miller Huggins and guys like that, and you know, even some people might even say Billy Martin. Uh, because, you know, during the 70s with the Yankees, but that was just so crazy. But when, yeah, when you're talking about a, a, a New York guy, baseball, modern day, especially Joe Torrey is your guy. Um, so let me ask you basketball now. We can, you can even kind of, you, you can go a little off the grid, um, not thinking NBA. You could, you could go college and the NBA. Um, I, I think maybe you and I might come up with the same one here. Who are you thinking? Well,
2: I think the hard part is I don't know Red Holtzman and Auerbach and those guys. Like I'm sure people would say, Hey, you know, Red Holtzman, you know, won world titles back in the seventies, but like I wasn't around for that stuff. And I'm sure that's probably the name for somebody, but for the younger people listening out there, uh, when you think of. You know, New York basketball and, and, and who the coach would be for me, although he moved on, you know, Pat Riley is, is, is the guy. I mean, he did with the Knicks what other people couldn't do. And I think that was kind of the, the name that, um, that people would think of. And I'm sure some other people, um, you know, might think of some other guys out there that have done some positive things. But I would say for me, you know, Riley was just that, that name. He was that guy that, you know, the slick back hair when when people were looking for you know the guy who was just going to stand on the sidelines and just sub in and he didn't care i think he came in with that attitude of i'm in charge i don't really care so i think for me overall it would be uh pat riley once again guys 5166231240 if you want to call in we got plenty of time we'll talk whatever you want right now we are discussing a little bit of mount rushmore new york coaches yeah
0: i kind of agree with you, with pat riley and the one thing that really impressed me you know, back then was, in the 80s, Riley was showtime. He was offense. He was up and down the floor. He was, you know, magic at the point, Kareem inside, worthy, you know, dunks, the whole thing. He got to the Knicks, and what was it? Back to D, defense. That's what they, you know, he was smart enough to see what he had, and he got that team within one game uh, of an NBA championship. You know, one John St- maybe one John Starks three-pointer, just one for Pete's sake. Yep. Uh, so, you know he didn't win a championship, so anybody could argue that. Of course, uh, you brought up Red Holtzman. You know I, I'm a little, little too young for him. He kind of as I was getting into basketball, um, he is he's well thought of. You know he brought the next two championships. Um, he had he had kind of a, a, a mix of, of stars and and role players. So you know if, if there was someone else who wanted to say, oh, there's no way you, you can't put him in there, I get it. Um, the other name that I think we, we could float out there would be Rick Pitino, and we had talked about this off the air. Just from his, you know, the Knicks. Now he's at St. John's. Um, he revived the Knicks. I, I think that's a guy you think about. He's a he's a, a New York Long Island product. You know, grew up uh, you know ten minutes away from me in, in Bayville, New York. You know, he's a little older than me, but his legend was there, um, and he just he's won everywhere he's been. Um, it's a shame that his his reputation took a little bit of a hit uh, with you know some of the the salty things that happened at Louisville when he was there. But as right. a New York coach, uh, I, I'd,
2: if he can take St. John's, I think that's the whole ooh, thing. He, is like he is probably on that precipice of being the savior back in New York. And you know he they won a couple of games recently, and he's still being hard on those guys. Like yeah. he wants more. He wants defense. He wants some intensity and. Um, I think Patino's name is kind of thrown in there, but I just don't think that he's done enough right now to put himself on there as like the Mount Rushmore of, of New York coaches. And I think a lot of it just stems from how many different places he's been and how many bad vibes he's put in people's, you know, mouth. And it's yeah. just like, you gotta think of some of the negativity. Like he went over to Greece just to get away from some of the negativity that was going on here. Um, is he a good coach? Yeah, I think, you know, he did it at Louisville. He did it at Kentucky. He did it at all these different – did it at Iona. <laughs> at Iona, right? I mean, you know? listen, no no knock on Iona.
0: Great school, Um, you know, has, has good basketball tradition. But, he, I mean, he got them
2: relevant yeah. in, on the national scene. Yeah. And, you know, did it at Providence. Like, he's yeah. – he found a way to do it at different places, um, and I think that's probably uh, another big one up there. So, again, if you guys want to call in, 516-623-1240. Chris Caputo, Mike Cadone talking some New York sports here. Right now we're talking some coaches, but anything you want to talk about, we've got about 10 or 15 minutes left. Uh, we'll take your calls, and we'll even talk some baseball if you want, some hot stove. we got some uh, some some things you know, on the horizon, as uh, you know, Mets and Yankees are trying to do some things. So, uh, if you want to call in, add your name of who you might think is one of the top coaches in New York. Give us a call. Great. That that kind
0: of segued into my, my last question on this topic. So, Cap, you you know, you're you're a huge Met fan. I'm a huge Met fan. Um, I think two of the most underrated coaches in or managers in New York sports law. Are Bobby Valentine and Terry Collins? I, I think that they they did amazing things with with the Mets during tough times. They weren't able to sustain it for a long time, but right. they they kind of caught lightning in a bottle. If you had to if you had to pick one of those guys to manage your team, Bobby V or Terry Collins, who'd it be?
2: I think Terry does a good job of keeping the guys together. Um, he has to be in the right situation though. I think when he was down at Houston and, and, the, yeah. and the Angels and stuff like that. It just didn't fit for him. And I think he was in the right spot at the right time to take the Mets to that spot of a World Series. But I also think when things went wrong, I don't think Terry knew how to deal with it. Now, I love his fight, and I love him standing there, but I don't like – I think sometimes there are a little bit – guys get a little bit upset that maybe he goes out there and throws them under the bus when he stands in front of the media and says, hey, listen, if guys aren't going to do it, we'll call somebody else up here. I think the, the vibe that Bobby Valentine gave was just so relaxed. He also stood up there at a time when September 11, 2001 came. He stood there and smiled. He, he took it all in. He would put his arm around Liza Minnelli and sing with her any day. I think he had it for New York was I think Terry Collins could have done this in other places. He had the right people. I think Bobby Valentine was the right person for New York. Um, could he sustain that long term? No. Yeah. Just two very different personalities,
0: uh, you know. Bob, Bobby Valentine, I I was lucky enough to meet him once when I was younger, and um, he his persona is what he is. I mean, he's just he loves himself a little bit, and why not, you know? But, but he was he, he's a good baseball man. But like
2: Mike, he's kind of one of those like Patino guys. He went and became the athletic director at Sacred Heart University, like yeah. It, and, and went and, and then he tried to run for mayor, right? And you know, then he
0: went went overseas to Japan, like Patino went gee, to yeah. Greece. Yeah. like these guys, very similar track they, record.
2: They they don't care. They'll go coach, you know, some high school team in you know Nebraska yeah. just to keep their names out there. I mean, I just those are the guys that, that I just feel like they never go away. Now, the one guy that I have on here, because he stayed in the same place and did it over and over and over again, and he didn't just do it in one sport, although people only think of him as one sport, and most of you out there, whoever's listening out there, probably haven't really heard the name, and that's Jack Curran. Wow. And when you think of New York sports... Yeah. Jack Curran started at a school called St. Anne's, which eventually turned into Archbishop Malloy. And he started coaching in 1958, and I could be wrong. I think the guy coached to like 2008. He coached for like 50 yeah, he years. Was, he was in that 50-year range. And 25 times, I think he was named Catholic League Coach of the Year in base, in basketball. But, guys, you don't realize the guy was also a great baseball coach. He co- he was like a 21-time baseball coach wow. of the year. And he coached guys like Kenny Anderson and Kenny Smith. And some people know the names Brian Winters. And Kevin Joyce played on a, a USA team. But not only that, he was just a legend. You know, he knew what to do. And the guy made sure that, you know, coaching got done and he did it the same way all the time. So when I think of like New York coaching legends, for me, top five is Jack Curran.
0: That's great. You know, that's a name that a lot of people might not have thought of, even if they're familiar with him. If you're not and you're into to the the world of coaching, he is someone to definitely study, look up, read about, everything you can because um, he's, he was a throwback, but yeah, in two sports, um, and, and, probably was responsible for more New York basketball millionaires going into the, the 70s, 80s, and 90s, um, than anybody else. That, that's a, that's a fantastic pick. Um, so we kind of have our grouping now, uh, as, as we turn the corner and it is hot stove time and, um, you and I have not really touched on this name because it's, it, it's still not quite, um, uh, baseball season, although we're going to get a lot of free agents starting to be signed here soon, and that's going to heat up, as we said, on the hot stove. Carlos Mendoza, new manager of the New York Mets. Um, I'm sure a lot of people out there went, who? And then you found out, okay, he was a bench coach with the Yankees and, and whatever else. But um, certainly kind of a surprise name, Cap, but um, are, are you feeling better about him? Are you feeling worse? Do you think the Mets should have gone a different direction? How do, how do you feel about him being in the dugout starting next year?
1: I think time
2: will tell. I don't – I don't. Um, yeah, tough call right now. I, I think the Mets – I don't want to say this the wrong way, but I think the Mets are, are, are trying to just appease people right now, just okay. kind of get through a tough time where it was like, hey, you know, we've got to get rid of Buck, we got to move on. And for whatever reason, Craig Council did not make his way to New York. And I think that would have been the safe pick. I think people are upset, and I'll tell you this straight out. Like, the fact that you now have Mendoza coming over from the Yankees, yeah. and you just picked up Luis Severino from the Yankees, yeah. a lot of people are like, oh, you're just stealing everybody. <laughs> like, who's the next guy you're going to try and grab from us? But I get it. Like, the Mets don't want the Yankees leftovers. No. The Mets don't want Mets fans. That's the fans yes. They don't want that. No. And, but I think, you know, he speaks multiple languages. He um, puts himself out there as a guy that worked hard to get to that spot. And I think people are, are trying to push that. Now, that's going to lay low for a couple of months, but it's going to really pop up when some of the veterans in spring training are talking about him and, yeah. and where he is. So I think come February, we'll probably have a better feel. I think he's got one of the, one of the toughest jobs
0: in baseball. I mean, because... Huge expectations, first time manager, and as you mentioned, coming over, you know, from the Bronx. So he, he's got a lot on there. He must, uh, he, he must have, well, obviously his resume is good in a baseball wise, but I'm guessing from what I've heard also is that he, he's just a fantastic communicator and, and speaking multiple languages. I think, you know, people might laugh at that, but that, that's very important stuff, especially in, in this community because sure. if you're going to go out and, and represent the, the Mets, um, you know, the Hispanic community is looking for somebody to, to kind of, uh, blend with, um, uh, Hispanic players, I'm sure. It, you know, a younger, he's 43 years old, so he's gonna, he's kind of mesh with them. Uh, so I think he, he has the ability to be a huge success story. And, and I'm certainly pulling for him, as are you. Uh, but boy, I, I don't know if I'd want to take that as my first job, uh, you know, in the head seat is being the New York Mets manager.
2: Yeah, and I think for the Mets, um, it's really. I don't know if it's necessarily going to be on him. We got a couple of minutes left. If you want to sneak in a phone call, five one six six two three twelve forty. But I think for the Mets, um, it's it's not so much about their manager. It's who, what, what, where are they going right now? You know, um, they this week they go out and get Joey Wendell for a couple of million, and then they try and get themselves you know a couple of pitchers here or there in in, in the minor leagues. But it's. And, and, and I already talked about um, Severino, Yeah. but, like, where are they going? They're obviously out of the Shohei Ohtani. States. Yeah, that seems Sweet to –
0: unfortunately, that seems to have – A
2: lot of teams are out. Yeah. I yeah. think he, I think he's going to wind up either back in uh, either with the Dodgers or the Dodgers. Or, 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 oh, yeah. man. Dodgers, Angels, or Blue Jays are my three, uh, I think. Yeah, that. it seems – although, uh,
0: you know, when, uh, a surprise I heard this year, I don't know how they'd have the money, is Texas Rangers. Yeah. Not, I, know.
2: I mean, I don't know how – where where are they? What are yeah, they doing? Printing right. money down there? My but goodness. I think for the Mets, like Yamamoto's got to be number one. Yeah. And if they're going after Yamamoto, and then they're going after a guy like Tyler Glasnow or another big time pitcher, then they're obviously not. They're not in that rebuilding wall that we thought they were going to be. So I think over the next few days, we're going to hear whether or not the Mets are kind of giving up, or if they're they're sort of in it. Yeah. You know. And I think the the one thing, Mike, before we finish is is. Um, I think people are a little upset at the whole Pete Alonzo thing. Yeah. It's becoming a sore subject that, like, he's out there putting himself out, you know, in the community and talking, and the Mets haven't finished the job in trying to sign him. And I don't know who you put that fault on, uh, but, but every old Met, from Cliff Floyd to Mike Piazza to different, they all want him signed. Yeah, which, uh, you know what, y- you have to kind of listen to
0: that because, you um, I- I- I think a cynic would be like, "Oh, those you don't listen to those old guys, and what do they know? And you know, but they're just trying to get a guy's money, whatever." No, these are these are guys who related with New York, who know what it takes to win here. And you're talking about a guy who has been prolific in his home run hitting for any franchise, but with the, especially with the New York Mets. I mean, he, he you sign him to even a minimal contract, he's going to be the all-time home run leader. He wants to be here. He's succeeded. Yeah, is he a little, you know? Kind of up and down. Yeah, who isn't a, who's worn a Mets uniform? But a homegrown guy, you've lost DeGrom, you've you lost these pitchers. You have got to get this done. Absolutely no ifs, ends, or buts, and do it in a way. Um, I know that you know a, a big contract is going to heal all wounds, yep. uh, but everything's great. But that's going to do it for us tonight. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Mike. Absolutely, Cabby. And uh, our man Brian Graves, behind the glass, has been taking us home. Uh, another huge week of New York sports. We're going to be back on in two weeks, and hopefully by then we'll have a little bit more New York flavor with the Knicks, the Mets, the Jets, the Giants. Who knows? Maybe it's playoff time.
2: Thanks to James Delario for stepping on tonight. Absolutely.
0: And we'll see you in a couple of weeks on WGBB's Sports Talk New York.
1: The views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.